you want to give love to the city, that's a fact. But you're going to need help if you want to make an impact. Well endowed, you want to be well endowed with the Edmonton community. Things really happen when you find that you're well endowed. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Well Endowed Podcast. We're your hosts, Elizabeth Bonkink. And Andrew Paul. This podcast is brought to you by Edmonton Community Foundation, and we're a proud affiliate member of the Alberta Podcast Network. Edmonton is full of generous donors who've created endowment funds at ECF. These funds generate money to give back to Edmonton's community. On this podcast, we share stories from spaces where endowments and communities intersect, because it's good to be well endowed. And just to kick things off, a quick reminder that we are currently seeking volunteers to serve on our grant subcommittees. The deadline to apply is March 7th, 2019, and you can check out our show notes for more details. All right, what's happening on today's show, Elizabeth? We're going to hear about a wonderful and funny improv group called the Sphinxes. Yeah, that's right. And I do just want to have a little disclaimer here that I uh, actually do some contract work for Rapid Fire Theatre, which Sphinxes is a part of. But I can also tell you all about Sphinxes because it's actually a really cool thing that uh, they're doing over there. Uh, So Sphinxes is an improv show that focuses on narratives led by the female, trans and non-binary identifying cast of Rapid Fire Theatre. And the show really came out of a need in Edmonton's theater scene to provide spaces for uh, underrepresented communities to be able to create work and tell their stories. So it's been really cool to see this show grow over the last three or four years. And the cast right now is, I think it's almost about 20 people, uh, which is very, very cool. This show also is a great way uh, to challenge some assumptions and explore the concept of femininity and non-binary issues and lived experiences. And I hear that Lisa uh, caught a show and had a pretty hard time holding the recorder still uh, because she was laughing so hard. They are really funny. And yes, Lisa Pruden got to take in one of the shows and talk to two of the Sphinxes, Julia Grachowski. I'm Julia Grachowski. And I am also an ensemble member of RFT, Rapid Fire Theatre, and I am a freelance video person and editor, and I am a very proud uh, Sphinxes member as well. And Jolene Ballantyne. Hello, my name is Jolene Ballantyne. I work at Rapid Fire Theatre as the Director of Education, and I'm a proud Sphinxes member. the sphinxes thing the sphinxes thing Sphinxes thing um well it all started uh when back i think three years or so ago matt had pitched this new matt our artistic director had pitched this brand new um programming spot so it's called saturday series and it would be okay for the month of january this group has four saturdays in a row and they can do whatever they want with those saturdays either like something episodic or something in a certain theme or just a continuing story um whatever it was it was like you do whatever you want with it you have seven thirty 
and each month would change up. So that was the exciting part about it was that like you could do anything and the whole season was like something exciting every month. So we had pitched, uh, thanks to our, our old buddy Amy and ex-AD of Rapid Fire Amy, Shostak, who now lives in Vancouver, um, a format called Sphinxes, which was essentially just let's the first initial rudimentary idea was just let's get all the femmes female and trans and non-binary folks in rapid fire theater and just do a show and that's kind of where it was born and uh yeah do you want to add anything uh yeah just like we had seen examples of it before and none of us were truly satisfied with the shows uh it was always kind of targeted as like oh girls night out like drinking partying and we were like that's not a great representation of what stories we have to tell and we really just wanted that to be the focus. Just a platform where we could tell stories that uh, weren't influenced by men that we could uh, be proud of. And so we started jamming out. So uh, that's what I would like to see in this okay. tap out monologue. Thank you. Love it. And we'll seize that scene in three, two, one. It was the morning that I was going to teach my first yoga class. I have been preparing to teach this yoga class for four months, and I've been doing Kegels for the last six years. <laughs> I've been just squeezing my butt off since I came out of the womb, and with those credentials I thought I'm gonna open my first yoga studio. I, was, I wanted this studio to be very body positive. out of every little fissure of our bodies, because that's how biology works. <laughs> so I'm prepping the room. I'm rolling out the cork yoga mat. I'm laying down all the water bottles filled with urine. <laughs> I'm burning sage to smell in the air. When who walks in but David? that the content had changed significantly and that these stories were richer and uh, you know we were hitting content that we had never done before because on rapid know, fire stage on basically. rapid fire stage yeah. because we had just never had the platform for it we'd never had the opportunity um, to come together and experience these uh, shared experiences mm-hmm. with like-minded folk and uh, yeah and like yeah. sharing those experiences kind of just brought out more and more and more of them and created what like ideally what we wanted to create was like that safe space of just feeling like okay I can truly be who I want to be on stage and say what I want without being afraid like removing that barrier of being you know even anxious or a tiny bit afraid to be on stage and make jokes because it's like oh I don't know if I'll be funny or if I'll just be saying a dumb lady thing or something like that. Or, or that the other members on the stage would be uncomfortable by the content. Or that, yeah. Because one something that. That we really see a lot of are these experiences that, you know, males don't have. Um, and we get to kind of make fun of it and have and have fun in it and celebrate it in a new, fascinating way. Yeah. 
Um, so yeah, the 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 format of the show um, takes. Uh, the first half is just fun, directed scenes from all of our cast. And then the second half of the show, um, we focus on true um, stories. So we, we get to uh, highlight the voices of the women on stage and the trans uh, performers. And they get to tell true stories and be vulnerable. And then we build scenes off of it. Right. And the the whole structure of the show, the, what we usually do in an improv show is we ask... Can I get a location? Can I get a relationship? And they shouted out. But for this show, what we did that was unique was we posted questions on the stage. And we got people in the audience to answer them anonymously on a piece of paper and just put it up there. So they have some questions at the front and they say, when was the last time you had to edit yourself? When did you first notice your gender? And when was a time that you felt empowered? Stuff like that. So it's just like... You know, not just superficial questions, but kind of more deep. And we use those directly in the first half where we're directing scenes and we just pick suggestions from the boxes. In the second half, we take one suggestion and then we just run with it and we do a format uh, called That Reminds Me of a Time, which is a linking just millions of stories where we kind of are like, oh, that reminds me, that reminds me. And it goes like from point A to point G, you know, of different uh, tangents that kind of, yeah create the story so it's just a focus on stories whether it's the audience stories whether it's our stories shared experiences as just like a general story that we've all experienced as a group it's just about like featuring those it's front and center oh, i was really curious about the game that you played in the second half the that sorry reminds, that reminds sorry, me of a time yeah uh, and i loved it because there's a lot of people on the stage going that reminds me of a time you just tap the shoulder and there's stories being interrupted and stories being picked up again where they left off for the job that I have right now, it was the most extensive interview process ever. I had a phone interview, I had a two-page application, a phone interview, an in-person interview, and then a panel interview. I got the job, and then the day of our staff party, uh, they iced me at 8.30 a.m. So, really professional place. That reminds me of a time I spent my first paycheck on donairs. <laughs> I was a kid and I, I couldn't afford an iPod, so I had like a portable CD player. And I only had one CD, and it was the Spice Girls. And so <laughs> that reminds me of a time when I thought Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band was a CD-ROM for the computer, like a game. So when my dad was at home, I secretly put it in the computer and was expecting a fun game. Uh, there was a time I went on a date with this guy recently, and he was playing really hard rap the entire time, and then it was on his recently downloaded on Spotify, and I skipped the next song, and it was uh, the uh, wedding song from Twilight. <laughs> How do you all share the stage so that each of you feel empowered and able to tell your stories? I mean, I think that that's a that's a general improv question. There's a, a skill that you have to just kind of accumulate over the years of sharing focus. But one of the things that, you know, as a, a female performer that I think majority of us face is that uh, taking up space is actually uh, being able to 
confidently go forward and and have your voice uh, heard and not interrupted. And for years we had, unfortunately, uh, that happen often, constantly. And uh, you see there were fewer um, female improvisers as a result. Mm -hmm. Now our company has taken a huge turn and we've seen an incredible increase on uh, female and trans performers in our company. And that's because of this kind of work. It's because we're we're looking at these things and saying, why is it that there's all these men and they have these big booming voices and sometimes all these women are falling through the cracks? Yeah. Or make offers only to be ignored or shelved in the improv term of it. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So it's just learning that like give and take, but doing it in a in a space where it's like I can I, I know I'm not being sabotaged. It's just like. Oh, I'm so excited that I have this place to to share these these stories. Yeah, and in the rehearsal process, like we we just saw that those those issues were not issues. Yeah, <laughs> that everyone was so eager to listen to the stories, and and we we're all so excited by them that uh, the excitement kind of just allowed everyone to kind of cohesively mm-hmm. put this show together. Yeah, and, and it comes from a knowledge, to, well, yeah, like the experience, knowledge of beats of like when, when a story is done, when a story is just about to get good, so when is okay to cut it off. Like, uh, it, you know, some a lot of the stuff comes from experience, but yeah, in the rehearsals, you definitely, the first time that we tried out that format, it was just like, electric and yeah. it just we're just that's inspired. when we found it and we're like yeah, yeah this is the thing that's mm-hmm. inspiring everybody and this is it was so funny inherently that it was like very little to do uh to make it successful i suppose mm-hmm. that's how i, I think. mean it's also something to be said about the fact that we're all professionals and that we do that yeah. have the skills and that the, we wouldn't be in rapid fire theater if yeah. uh if everyone didn't have a level of uh skill to begin with. Yeah, so. and like I mean, we do get practice Friday nights twice and twice every Friday nights, twice on Saturdays as well, depending on, you know, what you're signed up for that month, but we get a lot of of time on stage to like get over that fear or to learn how to navigate it and learn how to like as a person, how do I do that best kind of thing. I got to be part of the audience um a few weeks ago and it was so funny. Obviously, it's a good time in the audience. Um, but is there anything else that you're hoping the audience takes away from each performance? If anything, uh, I don't know if you're going to speak to this, but uh, this is kind of indirect, but I will get to it. In the first days of Sphinxes, we noticed that we were getting uh, a crowd that we wouldn't normally see mm-hmm. at our shows that we do on Friday nights or Saturday nights. Um, we started seeing more people who... You know, we're our friends who invited friends who are like, I would never go to an improv show. But then I saw this and I was like, oh, this is for me. This is something I am I feel happy about going to. And I don't feel like there's going to be some icky, like weird blue jokes that uh, make me feel are inappropriate or like incredibly offensive. Or not informed. <laughs> yeah, or not informed. Yeah, exactly. So that and now, like with the show that you were at, that audience is completely kind of shifted, I feel, to include more of the of our regular crowd from the Fridays and the Saturdays, not like more so than than it was in the very beginning, because I was I'm just noticing of like, I yeah, I don't I, I think just generally it's what Sphinxes does is it brings out a different audience than yeah. what we usually have because. Yeah. It's a different kind of environment. It's a safer place for some people that might 
you know, their experiences in improv have been yeah. loud shouting. Or like fast just in and, comedy in general. Yeah, in comedy, it's, like are... it's a different flavor now, and it's, uh, and it's more inclusive. <laughs> and I think that uh, as a result, we're getting, like, a different audience that doesn't usually go to maybe comedy or yeah. improv and so that's exciting for us. And yeah. we're really trying to embrace that and see how far we can take it and how much more we can make it inclusive and interesting to a different crowd. Yeah. And what like I want and I'm, I know Jolene wants to is like to reach as many people, um, even through the audience, but people who maybe wanted to do improv and thought, oh, this isn't for me. But now that they see themselves up there, it's like, oh, OK, I'll take an improv class or I'll go to the UIG or I'll go jam with my friends, whatever it is. Like, that's what we want is just to get more and more representation up there and more and more people in the audience that don't usually watch this kind of thing. And then they're like, oh, OK, it's not scary. Mm-hmm. One of the more common experiences that all of our performers in the Sphinxes have had is that they did see a lack of representation growing up watching improv. Mm-hmm. So for myself and Julia, and uh, I can speak for us, yeah. but yes, you can. Um, that it. you know when we first joined the company or when we were first introduced into the community, there were just so few role models mm-hmm. that we could. Um, see ourselves through. So, yeah, one of our big goals is to try and change that and to shift that over so that there can be more role models for young women and trans uh, folks around Edmonton. Yeah. When I got in the company, I think it was just you and Amy. Yeah. In the second half. And that was it. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, I like those two. (laughs) I want to be them. And here I am. (laughs) Rock and rock. Okay. uh, (laughs) Sorry. Cut. Cut that. Oh, yeah. We can cut that. that. (laughs) Take two. Take two. <laughs> Those were all of my official questions. Was there anything that you wanted to add or that you were hoping we get to that we didn't? Obviously, come out to shows. I yeah, want everyone obviously. to come and see these amazing shows. Yeah. Do you want to talk a little bit about like the importance of comedy and gender and stuff like that? Well, I don't. Well, maybe if it resonates with you. I, I don't mean, know. I'm just it. thinking like with like all the stuff that's going on in um, the world mm-hmm. and things like that. I think. Um, you know, comedy is a great place that people turn to for either catching up on news or getting opinions about things. And I think it's it's good to have the representation there to get more perspective so that you can understand how, you know, some political thing or some, you know, world event impacts different communities. So I think it's just, yeah, that's another reason why inclusion and representation is so important to us and in general is like perspectives it's always good to have more perspectives because then hopefully people will listen and hopefully people will see it and be like oh i see that's how that's where you're coming from yeah and i think one of the things to really note about the show because i i don't want people to leave thinking or you know come into the show thinking that this is going to be some sort of lesson or some intellectual like Mm -hmm. breakdown of gender and comedy and all that stuff Really, we're just a, a, a group of people who are hilarious and we're telling some really fun stories and we're, you know, we're, we're creating content that we don't usually get to see. Yeah. And so that that is what we want to, like, really drill home is that this is a funny show. This is an improv show that will have you in stitches. It will have you laughing. Um, it just has this other layer that just goes a little bit deeper and I think that that's important and that if you're just kind of on a surface level easy um, playing field that you're never gonna actually I, I think I'm speaking to what you're you're talking about is like these real issues that are going on right now 
can be explored in a fun way. And you mm-hmm. can, comedy is important. It's important to laugh at times like this. Yeah. And uh, that show is doing that for us. And I hope the audience as well. Yeah. I was just going to say that comedy makes you think critically about something that you wouldn't normally maybe think about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, I also wanted to add that it's not a show that like if you attend it, you're going to get a cookie. Like, no, you're going <laughs> to come to this show because you want to have fun and you will. Yeah. And also I wanted to add like how amazing it's been to have started uh, this little idea of just like, let's get everybody together and perform together. But to see how like I feel like even I can see between the sphinxes, so what we call just like all the female and trans and non-binaries people in uh, rapid fire is like the relationships and the kinship that's going on and like the the strength that they kind of, that we have together just I think as a result of performing and sharing and being together more and just like being able to talk and say stuff out loud together it's just been such a beautiful and lovely thing to just see and I just I just hope that if anything you know that that energy and that love and and support will just continue for all of time for Julia Krajowski and Jolene Ballandine for joining us in the studio and all the Sphinxes for letting us record one of their performances. The Sphinxes will be performing at Citadel Theatre on March 30th at 10 p.m. You don't want to miss it. Yeah, you really don't. And you can get tickets by visiting rapidfiretheater.com and we'll also have a link in our show notes. Also warning, hilarious content. There is a high risk of laughing so hard that you snort, possibly pee your pants. Carbonated beverages are not advised. Just kidding. They're pretty tasty over there, so maybe grab a snack at concession while you laugh your face off. So what's next, Andrew? Well, next is our community shout-out. And Elizabeth, uh, when you think about sci-fi and fantasy novels, uh, what are some of the first images that pop into your head? Uh, Mostly just, you know, weird aliens and stories about, you know, faraway places and that kind of thing, so. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Fantastical things like space warriors, alien royalty, uh, yeah, all that sort of stuff kind of pops into most folks' heads, uh, I think. Well, on this episode's shout-out, I want to give a nod to Malcolm Azania's upcoming book, The Coyote Kings vs. the Myconauts of Plutonium City. 
Malcolm is a good friend of the show, and listeners may remember him from the story he produced for us about the Edmonton Area Land Trust in episode 28, or my interview with him about gentrification and the African communities that live in the Boyle, Macaulay, and Alberta Avenue neighborhoods back in episode 10. When Malcolm isn't podcasting, he's, among many things, writing sci-fi and fantasy novels. His first novel, The Coyote Kings, was shortlisted for the Philip K. Dick Award and the Locust Best First Novel Award, and his fans have been asking him to write a sequel ever since. And now he's doing that. So where the first novel left off with the protagonist Hans and Nihad uh, setting sail to find new adventures around the world, book number two catches up with them right here in Edmonton. And since then, the boys have opened up a detective agency and are embarking on a harrowing adventure after a former professor of theirs is murdered in Fort McMurray. So as they chase the case, a much larger conspiracy unfolds that potentially involves, you know, biker gangs, the RCMP, big oil, uh, all sorts of fun stuff. You know, I really love when fiction writers embrace their hometowns. It's not always recommended, especially by publishers, to set your stories in lesser-known locales for financial reasons, uh, which is why so much of the lit out there takes place in major centers like New York City, San Francisco, L.A., Tokyo, so on and so forth. But Malcolm is a champion of Edmonton, and it's always a treat to see yourself and your community reflected in stories written by uh, other folks out there. And this is actually a really important issue for Malcolm. Uh, he's very keen on writing about characters and underrepresented communities that he wishes he had been able to read about when he was growing up devouring every sci-fi book that he could get his hands on. But since those options were few and far between, he's picking up his pen, uh, or flipping open his laptop, I assume, these days, and writing those stories himself. So his novels are linked to ancient and modern African civilizations with an eye toward imagining futures built in the image of these communities. Uh, so he calls his genre uh, Afrotopianism, which I think is really fun. And if you'd like to learn more or subscribe to the serialized release of The Coyote Kings vs. The Myconauts of Plutonium City, you can check him out on Patreon, and we'll have the link in our show notes. Oh, Andrew, before we go, we have a few award deadlines to share. That's right. We don't want folks to miss out on funding opportunities. So what do we have coming up? First is the Belko Brasso Métis Awards, which you've all heard about in our last episode. There's also the Winspear Scholarships for Advanced Classical Music and the Renald and Vera Sheen Memorial Scholarship. Both of these awards focus on students who will study classical music. You can visit ecfoundation.org for application details. The deadline to apply for all three of these awards is March 31st. Have we mentioned to check our show notes for the links? I think we always mention to check out our show notes for the links. But just in case you didn't hear us before, check our show notes for, for the, the links. links. And that brings us to the end of the show. Thanks so much for listening. We really appreciate it. If you have time, please share this episode with your friends and leave us a review on iTunes. Those iTunes reviews are a big help. We're also on Facebook at Well Endowed Podcast. Please come by and say hi to us there. Thanks so much for hanging out with us. We've been your hosts, Andrew Paul. And Elizabeth Bonking. Until next time. The Well Endowed Podcast is produced by Edmonton Community Foundation and is an affiliate member of the Alberta Podcast Network. The show is edited by Lisa Pruden. You can visit our website at thewellendowedpodcast.com. Subscribe to us on iTunes. And follow us on Twitter at the ECF. Our theme music is by Octavo Productions. And as always, don't forget to visit Edmonton Community Foundation at ecfoundation.org. Well Endowed.